Teaching context clues, super needed, but for most kids, it does not come easy. Many of your students are probably thinking, yeah, I've heard that strategy before, but what does it even really mean? They don't have any idea. So we are going to dissect the main context clue strategies that kids can learn that is going to help them to figure out the meaning of those tricky, pesky, unknown words. We are going to eliminate confusion, and I cannot wait to chat about this topic with you. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Literacy Dive podcast. I am so excited that you are tuning in today for another episode with me chatting about all things literacy. I truly appreciate and look forward to reading any feedback reviews that are left. And so if you have not done so yet, please make sure to rate and review this podcast. Also, go ahead and follow along so you never miss an episode each week. So today, I hope you are ready because we are going to be diving in to context clues. Before we get started, in the show notes, there is a context clues freebie That offers great activities and reminders for your students when it comes to tackling those tricky words. So be sure to head to the show notes to grab that freebie. And then I'm also going to leave the link to a Context Clues mini lessons routine that can definitely help assist you with teaching this concept if you need more support. Okay, let's dive in. So we often are so quick to say, students, use your context clues. But how many of your students really understand what that means? Many students, especially your struggling readers, don't fully grasp the skill. So it's important that we teach them how to use their context clues. When students can apply and learn strategies when it comes to context clues, they will be better equipped to tackle those tricky words and phrases when they see them in their text. And you and I both know that those tricky words and phrases constantly present themselves from book to book. So now it is time for us to help our students take control of how to properly use these strategies to solve unknown words. I will let you know now that this is going to be a two-episode topic. In this episode, I really want to share the common types of context clues that you can teach to your students. And in the episode that I'm going to share next week, I'm going to go deeper into strategies and ways to embed teaching context clues into your day. So let's get started. Now, the important thing to know is that Different strategies are available to teach context clues, and some of those strategies are easier than others. We have to know all of the strategies, or as many as we can remember, because not all authors write the same way. And when they are presenting the words that we don't know, they are going to use different sentence structures and include different types of examples around that word, and we have to figure out how to be able to solve it. 
So the goal here is to help students grab as many clues as possible before making an educated guess about the word's meaning. Now, many of those examples are going to be in student books or in reading passages. And so that's kind of where my skills and strategies that I'm going to share are going to be leading from. If you're using one-off examples like a task card, you can still apply these same types of ideas. But a lot of the examples that we can find for kids to practice from are going to come straight from their books and straight from reading passages. What I have found that is super helpful is to allow students to manipulate the actual pages. So that means if you are using a reading passage while kids are already able to write with a pencil, they're able to underline, highlight, and do things because it is a paper that you printed out. But as I just said before, a lot of those words are found in their guided reading books or they're found in your read aloud. And so We don't want students taking their pencils and highlighters or any types of pens to an actual book that you purchased or that the school purchased. We oftentimes will teach kids not to write inside of library books and things like that. So I've always found it helpful that if you find a really good example, make a photocopy of that actual page so students can make the connection that this was in my book, but I'm able to still use my strategies to manipulate it. So that is one thing that I love doing is allowing students, if at all possible, the opportunity to manipulate the page. And that oftentimes means making copies of the pages that are within their actual books. So just for an example purpose, let's say that the word apprehensive was inside of a student's book and they had no idea what the word apprehensive means. Well, the first type of context clue that we're going to dive into is definitions. And this just means that the meaning of the word is directly explained in the sentence or in a nearby sentence. So for example, if I use these sentences... The deer is apprehensive. It is shy, easily frightened, and seems super nervous when I try to approach it. While shy, easily frightened, and super nervous are helping kids to make sense of the word apprehensive. So the strategy here is to have students look within the sentence or nearby sentences for help with finding the direct definitions that an author gives. You would then have them highlight the word or use a highlighter tape if you're working in a book, and they're going to be identifying the word or words that help them to make sense of the meaning. By analyzing the words, it's going to help them understand that the context clue used to help determine the word meaning was a definition because all of those other words around it, shy, easily frightened, super nervous, are all connected to the word apprehensive. So that is a great way of showing them that the context clue strategy here is using a definition. Examples are another context clue strategy that is important for students to know. And examples just means that an example of the unknown word is in the sentence or a nearby sentence. So for this, keywords and phrases to know, like for example, or, like, such as, includes, consists of, called, names, known as. Any keywords or phrases like that are the signal point, the hint that an example is going to follow. So as an example here, 
The deer is apprehensive. It is like a little mouse that scurries to run and hide at the sight of people. So I love sentences because in this one, we could also use context clues to help us determine the meaning of scurries. And I could have also said, the deer is apprehensive. Other apprehensive animals include squirrels, birds, and foxes. The examples included in the list are animals that do not typically let people get close to them because they are scared. But either way, in those two different examples, Comparing the deer being apprehensive to being like a little mouse that scurries and runs and hides, it's allowing the students to make that connection that this is how a deer operates as well. Or by listing other animals like squirrels, birds, and foxes, it's allowing students to recall those specific animals and make the connection about what they have in common, which is typically you can't get near them or they're going to run away. So the strategy here is having students identify the keywords or phrases that's going to help them to lead to an example. You're going to have them highlight the keyword or phrase and then highlight, underline, or circle the actual examples given. When they can take it a step farther and pull out where the example keywords are or where the example list items are, it's going to help them to realize that they have used the context clue strategy of examples. This next context clue strategy is one that's probably a bit more common, and that is synonyms. And this basically just means words and descriptions that have similar meanings are present to help bring understanding to that unknown word. So in another example about the deer, the deer is apprehensive. It looks nervous hiding and peeking out from behind the tree. The synonym to help determine meaning of the word apprehensive is the word nervous and the actions of peeking and hiding. So the strategy for this one is to help students identify the similar words or the action words to help connect the meaning. Your students will be able to highlight the individual words and actions and they can also think about the similar or a synonym that could help connect it as well. Once they are focused on what they think the word means in their own realm of knowledge of the words that they're familiar with, then they can quickly make that connection to solve for the word apprehensive, and that's going to allow them to have another vocabulary word bank into their knowledge that they can use for future references. Next up is antonyms. This is when words and descriptions have opposite meanings and they are present to help bring understanding to the unknown word. Now, for example, I could say, the deer is apprehensive. It is nothing like the brave goats that run to my whistle and eat straight from my hand. Now, I have been living uh, at my parents' house on a farm, so this is actually (laughs) very accurate to think about the goats that come up and run to me, but the deer never do. So by using that example, the deer is apprehensive, it is nothing like the brave goats that run to my whistle and eat straight from my hand. The antonym to help determine the meaning of the word apprehensive is brave, and the actions of running on command and eating straight from my hand are showing how brave that animal is. But because I said that the deer is nothing like the goat, it is now making them think about the opposite. The deer is opposite in trait and in behavior when compared to the goat. 
So this takes a little more brain power because they have to pay close attention to recognizing, oh, this is familiar to me, but I now have to flip my thinking and think about the opposite to make the connection of that word. So the strategy here is going to be to help your students identify the opposite words or action words to help make better sense of the meaning of the unknown word. They can highlight the individual words and actions, and they can also think about the opposite or the antonym at that same time. Now we're going to go into inferences, and this is very, very tricky because oftentimes when we have to make inferences, it is because whatever it is that we are having to come up with is not explicitly stated there for us. So making an inference is basically using the information given by the author plus our background knowledge or schema or experiences to help make meaning of the word. So for the example, you don't have to worry about deer. Deer are very apprehensive and won't let you get close to them. If you see one, take a good look because you may not see it for long. If that were the example there, readers can use their inferential skills to figure out that there is no need to be fearful of deer or worried about deer bothering them because they are apprehensive, which must mean they are scared of people or get really, really nervous and won't come close to people. Students can also draw conclusions about apprehensive animals or make a connection about a time when they saw a deer, and they can draw from the experience of how the deer reacted when it was spotted. And many deer are going to run or be very, very timid. Now, you might always have that one deer that comes up, but for the most part, deers are going to run and scramble as fast as they can. So this is where your students can draw their conclusions. They can think about their past experiences. They can think about shows they've seen or books they've read about deer. And then they can start making a conclusion based on what they already know. So you're going to ask your students to share about their experiences with seeing a deer or with the topic within the sentence. Have them share any background knowledge that they have and connect it with drawing a conclusion about this word and making an inference. Okay, so another strategy that is really important for kids to know is by using word parts. Now, word parts are anything like prefixes, suffixes, root words, base words, anything that's present and holds meaning. Those are going to help bring awareness and meaning to an unknown word. So the question to ask is going to be, Is there a helpful prefix, suffix, or root word present that can help me solve this word? And I will have my students repeat that question that asked to themselves when they are looking for word-solving strategies. Now, in the other words that we've used, there might have not been a blatant prefix, suffix, or a root word they can pull from, but it's important to teach them what this means. So take the time to teach prefixes and their meanings, like re, that means again. So if they see the word rewrite or redo, they mean to write it again or to do it again. Or the prefix pre, that means before, like in preview or preschool. Dis, meaning not, like in dishonest or disregard. 
Miss, meaning wrong or bad, like in mistake or misunderstand or misbehave. Anytime you can pull back to the prefix in your day-to-day language, you can help them practice this uh, strategy of using their word parts and using the meaning attached to those prefixes to be able to make sense of the word. So this is a strategy that you can do throughout the day when giving instructions or when just wanting to reference different parts of your subjects, and you can have the students pull back and and think about the prefix. Write it on the board really quickly. It literally takes 30, 45 seconds, and this is something that you can start the process of, which is getting your students to be familiar with what these parts of words mean. So you also want to take the time to teach suffixes in their meanings. A couple examples are less, meaning without. So if you say, hey, I don't want you to be careless when you're writing your composition. Well, they can say, hey, it's without care. I want you to have a lot of care, so let's not be careless. Other examples, fearless or sleepless. You know, you can tell your students, like, I I don't want you to have a sleepless night. I want you to make sure that you're getting a lot of rest so that you're coming to school and you're ready to learn. So they can be able to start making those connections by way of what you are speaking to your students every day. Other examples are the suffix of full, meaning full of or notable for. And it's also great to tell them whenever the suffix has multiple meanings so that they can make sense of thankful or plentiful or helpful. Other ones like er or or, meaning one who. So it's important to say like teacher or director when you can bring out and highlight the endings, showing that they look different, one's E-R, one's O-R, but they still mean one who, then they can start making the connection. Oh, one who teaches, one who directs. And then they can start building up that knowledge there. And then the suffix able or able, meaning capable of being. So like portable, likable, preventable. And then you also want to make sure that you're taking the time to teach root words because a lot of our words stem from different roots. So like auto, meaning self. So you could use that for autobiography or aqua, meaning water. So an aquarium, photo, meaning light. So in the word photography, geo, meaning earth for geography, micro, meaning small for microscope, spect meaning to look. So when we have the word inspect, they can start taking out, oh, that must mean something like to look for. Fract, meaning to break. So you can now make that connection for a fraction if you're in math or getting a piece of it or a fracture. This is so helpful to expose them to word parts because this is the basis for vocabulary and meaning, and it's going to help them a great deal with context clues. You can easily make a routine of your day, like a word of the day, and just get this practice going, but it's really, really important to know that you can use these words in your own speaking to them, and you can make it a teaching point at the snap of your fingers. So just be more intentional so that your students are hearing this more, seeing it more, and then they can start using those examples to bring that meaning to new words that they see. And another one that I don't want to ever forget Although I know when you get to upper elementary, sometimes this is not always available, but it is using pictures. 
This, again, is not always going to be available, but if it is, using drawings, illustrations, graphics, diagrams, anything that's visual is a great strategy to pay attention to. And anytime one is visible, I always tell my students, stop, take 10 seconds, count in your head, and look at that image, look at that visual, and start making sure that we can figure out, well, what is this here for? What do I see in this image? Maybe they see facial expressions. Maybe they are seeing certain charts. Maybe there's words on a sign. Maybe there's weather conditions. They can see it in the sky or they can see it somewhere on the ground. Paying close attention to the environment or the setting. A lot of the time, if a picture or a diagram or a chart is there, it is there to support something that the author really, really wants. And so we have to focus on it. Now, again, I know that they're not always available, but if it is, that should be key number one for students to make sure, ooh, I have to focus on this. This is here for a reason. So let me give a little bit of time and attention to it so I can use it to help me make meaning of anything else that I don't understand. To wrap up for today, teaching strategies to determine the meaning of unknown words are very, very, very important. And there are several different ones, but they all lend themselves to different types of texts. So it's extremely important that we help them to understand this. This is going to help tremendously with reading comprehension and can be embedded as a part of your daily routine. So find opportunities to find unknown words in your read aloud or in your guided reading book, or if someone's coming in and says something on the announcements, or if you're watching a video and someone says something, pause right there and dissect the word and try to say, well, what? how can we figure it out and make that a part of their routine? So that when they get to that tricky word, they're not going to read over it. They're going to stop and try to use a strategy to solve it. Our focus is to help students determine which context clue strategy will help them and to help them find success when they are reading. Do not forget to grab my context clues freebie of seven helpful resources for student practice. And if you're looking for more support, I will link to an engaging mini lesson resource all about context clues where your students can engage and they can also provide their own examples for future mini lesson opportunities. Links to both of these can be found in the show notes. And next week, we will dive into actual activities and routines to implement that will give your students the context clues practice that they need chat with you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.